Hi, and welcome to Christmas Book Review, Episode 1, with me, Carrie Mercer. So for this episode, I looked at three different nonfiction books about Christmas, and these I would put definitely in the category of eye candy. There's lots and lots of color photographs to look at in every one of these. So the first one is called Mid-Century Christmas. Holiday Fads, Fancies, and Fun from 1945 to 1970 by Sarah Archer. The second one is called It's a Wonderful Christmas, The Best of the Holidays, 1940 to 1965 by Susan Wagoner. And the third one is called Seasons Gleamings, The Art of the Aluminum Christmas Tree by J. Shimon and Jay Lindemann. So something I am having fun looking at with each of these books is how much Christmas spirit they have. So I'm going to rank each one of them. Out of 10, how much Christmas spirit does each one of these books have? So I would give Mid-Century Christmas an 8 or 9 out of 10. I really loved this book. It was a lot of fun. It's chunky. It's uh, just over 200 pages. All of the pictures are labeled and explained, which I really loved, Um, which kind of leads me into the second book, It's a Wonderful Christmas. That one I'd give uh, maybe a 6 out of 10 on the Christmas spirit scale because it does have a lot of fun stuff in it, but it doesn't feel like it has much of a soul or much of a point of view. It feels very surfacy and much more commercial about the commercialization of Christmas, which is fine. I have no problem with the commercialization. I just think it's nice if there's some spirit to go with it. And I didn't feel like there was much of that in this book. The third book, Seasons Gleamings, um, ugh, I would give maybe a 5 out of 10 on the Christmas spirit scale. And that's because it's interesting in itself as the thing, but it's weird. Uh, it's just about aluminum Christmas trees, and it's the kind of thing you would find in a museum store as an accompaniment to an exhibit, because it looks like it's an art installation that these two people made together with aluminum Christmas trees and took tons of photographs of and then made a book out of it. It's a little confusing. There are notes in the back that have details of what is in each picture, but it doesn't put them in a whole lot of context. There's very little text. There's some at the beginning and some at the end, but there's very little explanation. And I I guess I like to have more explanation and more context. So that's how I would rank these three. Now I want to go into a little more detail about each book. 
So let's start with Mid-Century Christmas. I really enjoyed reading this book. It's super organized. I like how she breaks out different sections and has so many illustrations and photographs. You can tell she really did her research. There's stuff from different museums and archives. So the four chapters that this is divided into are Topsy-Turvy World, in which she kind of covers the history of Christmas and how it got started. Um, and then chapter two is All is Bright, Decorating, self-explanatory. The third chapter is Gifts and Greetings. And the fourth chapter is Christmas in Your Hands, which is about uh, crafts, both done by professional artists and do-it-yourself crafts. Things in magazines of the time that told you how to make your own ornaments or decorations. Some of them are quite hideous. <laughs> so in the first chapter, she does a great job explaining how we get from the ancient Roman festival of Saturnalia up to the Victorian Christmas of the late 19th century. There's a couple of other divisions within this chapter. Uh, Santa's workshop, where she talks about changes in how Santa was depicted in like illustrations in old magazines. There's a great, gorgeous picture of a Thomas Nast illustration from 1866 that was in Harper's Weekly, and it's got Santa Claus and his works. And it's got all these little illustrations, depictions of Santa. He kind of looks like an elf. He's kind of small. He's got this funky fur hat that looks like the top of an acorn with fur around it. And it shows him doing different activities, uh, decorating a tree outdoors, actually. Um, working in his workshop, it looks like he's carving a horse and he's got an apron on and a sort of a printer's hat. On the lookout for good children, where Santa's looking through a telescope, presumably spying on children. And then there's a huge book where he looks even smaller. And he's looking at the account book, Record of Behavior. I guess that's the list of all the children and whether they're naughty or nice. So that's a really fun illustration. There's also some early Christmas cards. And one of them in particular really caught my eye because it looks, it was designed in 1900, but it looks so much like a modern illustration from Mary Englebright, if you're familiar with her. And I have a rubber stamp of this illustration she made of it's Santa sort of standing next to a chimney and he's got his bag of toys over his back and there's a bunch of things sticking out, a doll, a drum, a ball, some other stuff. But it looks really similar to that Mary Englebright rubber stamp that I have. I wonder if that's coincidence. The next section in Topsy-Turvy World is Make Do and Mend, 
which is really interesting to me because it was about how during or up to World War II, Germany was the world capital of Christmas decorations, making ornaments, tinsel, um, things you put on the tree. And after World War II started, the United States had to start producing these kinds of things ourselves since we couldn't get them from Germany during the war. And so there's lots of pictures of old shiny bright ornaments and boxes with ornaments in them and about the history of how Woolworth, yeah, that Woolworth guy who had Woolworth stores, how he went to Germany and learned how they made their glass ornaments and came back with that and got Corning Glassworks to start making Christmas ornaments. There's another section called Merry and Modern, all about the industrial productivity of post-World War II and how Christmas gets focused on the future and it transforms from the Victorian Christmas into this more modern Christmas with Santa sitting in rocket ships instead of a sleigh. Um, really interesting, some of the cards she's got in here for you to look at. But there's also pictures of Christmas cards from the Soviet Union at the time. And although they didn't call him Santa Claus, their guy was Grandfather Frost. He looks the same. He's a old guy with a white beard and a red and white suit. But he's, in these Christmas cards, he's depicted as keeping track of the missiles in the Soviet Union. So, kind of interesting. <laughs> the second chapter, All is Bright Decorating, um, has this great photograph of this woman in a fur coat standing in a store magnet. And she's looking at this Christmas tree decoration. It's like a red cone about mm, four feet tall on top of this table. There's a guard watching because the tree is covered in strands of pearls and these white balls that look like styrofoam. And each white ball has bracelets and earrings and necklaces on it. And they're all gold and diamonds and expensive jewelry. On the caption, she says the tree is worth $1.5 million. And that was in 1955. So there's little sections in this chapter as well. The first one is called Why Nest? And it's about how people started decorating their homes more and how there were so many more people who owned their home in America after the war than before. And she gives a statistic of 43% of Americans owned their home in 1940, as opposed to 1960, when that increased to 62%. So there were a lot more people wanting to decorate their new homes. The next section is called Our Friend the Atom all about 50s technology. And there's a picture of Walt Disney who made 
a little film called Our Friend the Atom. Um, again, about the modern depiction of Christmas as part of the future. Um, more rocket ships with Santa. The next sections are on ornaments, lighting, aluminum trees, and tinsel. All different aspects of decor. And one thing that really fascinated me was in the section about lighting. So there's this place in Cleveland, Ohio called Neela Park. And it was the headquarters of General Electric Lighting. I guess it still exists. It was made to look like a college campus. I guess like an early Microsoft kind of. And on this campus, it was a sort of outdoor holiday lighting laboratory for the company. These displays sort of became a tourist attraction and I guess they still are, which makes me really curious. If I ever get over to Ohio, I'll definitely check this out. So there's some photographs of the different displays from the 1950s and earlier. And then the section on aluminum trees, it's got ads from Reynolds Aluminum. And it's just funny because they show the aluminum trees right next to uh, kitchen appliances. The third chapter is called Gifts and Greetings. So there's sections in this chapter on greeting cards, shopping, wrapping paper, toys, and grown-up toys. It's called grown-up gifts, but toys for grown-ups. I really enjoyed the section on wrapping paper because it's got some gorgeous pictures that could be textiles as much as paper. And then the toys section, she talks about Etch-a-Sketch, Slinky, Easy Bake Oven, all those fabulous toys that came from the 50s and 60s when the baby boomers were growing up. The last chapter is called Christmas in Your Hands, and it's got just two sections, one on the craft of Christmas, which is about ornaments and the roots of what is now the American Craft Council. And there's pictures of some old folk art ornaments and some artwork by Alexander Gerard. So the last section is called DIY Ink. This includes different pictures from magazines of the time that shows you how to make your own ornaments and also cook Christmas food. So there's several different pictures of Christmas recipe booklets put out by General Mills, um, Consumers Power Company. There's some illustrations of directions from Alcoa's book of decorations, which is all about working with aluminum foil and making some really hideous ornaments. <laughs> There's a picture of a snowman that Looks like uh, he used to be a Jiffy Pop and didn't quite work, so they stuck a hat on him. I don't know. <laughs> but they're really fun to look at. And then she's got an afterword in the back that kind of wraps things up. So I really enjoyed this book. It was thorough. Um, it gave me more things to investigate about Christmas. I highly recommend it. So now let me tell you about the second book. It's a Wonderful Christmas, The Best of the Holidays, 1940 to 1965. And this book is by Susan Wagoner. It was published in 2004, so it is 
15 years old. I think I forgot to mention the first one was published in just 2016, so that was only a couple of years old. And even though this one is 15 years old, it does cover a lot of the same ground as the other book, The Mid-Century Christmas. But I'll just read through the contents first to give you an idea of the stuff that Wagoner covers. Tree and trimmings, deck the halls, the great paper chase, just 364 shopping days till Christmas, gifts for grown-ups, babes in Toyland, a thoroughly modern Santa, let's get together and eat till it hurts. So that kind of gives you an idea. And I'm not going to go into depth um, on this one like I did the first book, The Mid-Century Christmas, just because it covers a lot of the same ground. It does have a different point of view, though. So I'll just hit some of the highlights here. I mentioned before that it's really focused on commercialization of Christmas. And I see that most of the illustrations do seem to come from advertisements. And I also mentioned that it drives me crazy that none of the illustrations are uh, attributed. She doesn't say what they're from. And I, I'm really curious sometimes. Um, one of the first illustrations in the book has a picture of a man and a woman standing in front of a Christmas tree. They look like they're in their robes. The woman is holding this thing that looks like either a double boiler or a hurricane lamp. I don't know. And the man is holding a rifle. Um, yeah. I, what, what is that for? I don't know guns, so I don't know what kind of rifle it is, but I don't know. That doesn't say Christmas to me, standing in front of the tree holding your gun. So I was very curious where that one came from. And then the other thing about the illustrations is that there's ones that I want to see that are not in here. Like she talks about how President Eisenhower was an amateur artist, and he helped create some of the first Christmas cards that came from the White House. And let's see, over two terms, the Eisenhower White House issued 38 different cards and prints, um, many of them bearing the president's own artwork. Okay, great. That's fascinating. Where are those pictures? There doesn't seem to be any in here, so I guess that's something I'll have to look into further, investigate on my own, because that is fascinating. How many presidents designed Christmas cards? Another thing about this book is that it's very listy. Uh, there's lots of sidebars um, showing costs of different items in different years. There's lists of the popular toys from that year. And there's also just different statistics that have to do with Christmas, like uh, this one about 1961 tells you the cost of a first-class stamp, four cents, the cost of attending the Carnegie Hall Christmas Eve concert, 50 cents, 80% of all greeting cards were purchased by women. Doesn't surprise me, but it's interesting. So... 
that feature or that design of the book makes it, I think, a really good sort of coffee table book you can leave out because it's one you can sort of pick up and just flip through and open anywhere and find something interesting to read about Christmas during this time period. It's also very focused on toys. Um, the chapter on toys for children goes year by year listing what the popular toys were from 1942 through 1965. Uh, for me, a lot of these are familiar. I was born in 66 and I have a sister who was born in 56. So a lot of these sound familiar or I had them or my sister had them. So that's really fun. And there's lots of illustrations of toy catalogs and toy ads. There's the Chatty Kathy, which I know my older sister had. There's authentic Hopalong Cassidy outfits and lots of information about the coonskin cap mania. And of course, Barbie. Um, let's see, what else? Other toys, Viewmaster. Madame Alexander dolls, which I never had or was interested in, but have heard of. In the chapter about Santa, uh, there is, of course, the story about how NORAD started tracking Santa's flight on Christmas Eve. There was a sad quote from Shirley Temple, and she says, I stopped believing in Santa Claus when my mother took me to see him in a department store and he asked for my autograph. Aw, that's so sad. The last chapter deals with food, so that one is not so much about advertisements. I guess these pictures could be from cookbooks. Oh, there's one that's an ad for saran wrap, it looks like. There's a picture of a fruitcake, of course. Um, not a fan, but I'm sure some people still are. It's kind of odd the way it ends. There's not an epilogue. There's not really a wrap-up. It just kind of stops. <laughs> the last illustration in the book is an ad for Whitman Sampler chocolates. And there's a picture of Santa eating the chocolates, of course. But in the text, Wagoner talks about the Lifesaver storybook, which brought back good memories for me because I used to get those when I was a kid. I was allergic to chocolate. I know, tragic. Luckily, I'm not allergic anymore. So that's It's a Wonderful Christmas. Um, I feel like I should give it a higher rating on the Christmas spirit scale, just because flipping through it again, I realized how much fun it was to read it, even if it didn't give me a, as uplifting a feeling as the mid-century Christmas book. It still is really enjoyable read and probably appeals to more people. It would be a fun gift book, especially for someone who's who grew up during this period, 1940 to 1965. So now I want to talk about the last book for this episode. It's called Seasons Gleamings, The Art of the Aluminum Christmas Tree by John Shimon and Julie Lindemann. And it was published in 2004 
by Melcher Media. So the same year as the It's a Wonderful Christmas book. So the couple that published it, John Shimon and Julie Lindemann, are photography artists. And they both grew up in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which they moved back to in 1989 and started collecting these old aluminum Christmas trees uh, because they were familiar with them from their childhoods. They were hoping to build sort of a forest as a exhibit of the Christmas trees. Manitowoc is where Aluminum Specialty was located, um, which was the first company that mass-produced the aluminum Christmas tree. So they kind of saw these aluminum Christmas trees as representational sculpture and worked with that idea as they collected the trees. And they started also taking just portraits of individual trees as well as of their forest. And that's kind of how this book came about. They met a lot of people during the times when they had the exhibit of the trees. Uh, A lot of people enjoyed the exhibit. There were a few people who either offered money or demanded they um, offer a tree for them to buy from the exhibit. I guess some people were very attached to the aluminum Christmas trees. Anyway, one of the people they met was Richard Thompson, who was the retired chief engineer of Aluminum Specialties Evergleam Tree Project, the first aluminum Christmas tree. So I'll say a little bit more about him later, but I wanted to read this paragraph from the book that kind of describes how they felt about these trees because it It gets interesting. So, as we looked more closely at the trees in our studio, we became increasingly aware of their psychic presence. We wondered if their antenna-like form attracted some kind of unknown magnetic energy and absorbed the vibrations into the wooden trunk. Could every Christmas witnessed be held inside these things? When photographed in the laboratory atmosphere of the studio, this paranormal explanation seemed plausible. I thought that was a little woo-woo for me, but (laughs) it is interesting. And it's part of sort of the first chapter of the book, which is the only text besides one short chapter near the end that's not even written by Lindemann and Shimon. It's actually written by Tom Vanderbilt, and his chapter is called Trees for an Age of Glitter. He does more of the history of the aluminum Christmas tree, which is kind of what I was hoping for. There's also a portrait of Richard Thompson, the retired tree engineer. So the portrait is with his eight-foot prototype of an aluminum Christmas tree. And his looks to be in very good shape, actually. (laughs) It says he puts it up every year. And there's several fun graphics uh, about the, the trees. There's also a weird, kind of a spooky graphic of a nuclear chain reaction, which looks just like a Christmas tree. Near the end of Vanderbilt's chapter, there's 
a two-page photograph of this woman sitting on her couch, all dressed up, wearing makeup, jewelry, next to her aluminum Christmas tree with a bunch of presents under the tree. What seems like should be a happy scene, and yet she looks so miserable. (laughs) Her body language and her face just say, dear God, can we get this over with, please? And I wanted to know more about that photo, but all it says is snapshot circa 1965. To me, that was one of the most interesting photographs in the book. So too bad there's not more information about it. The chapter, the last chapter ends with Vanderbilt describing the Charlie Brown Christmas special of 1965 and its treatment of aluminum Christmas trees. And he concludes that was sort of the beginning of the end for aluminum trees. As far as the aluminum Christmas trees, just in general, I never liked them very much because you can't put lights on them because it's sort of a fire hazard. And there is one photo in the book that uh, clearly illustrates this. Lights strung on the tree and uh, the tree is sort of fallen over and there are orange streaks probably from the lights that are on it, which are orange, but they're sort of artsy flames, if you will. So that clearly illustrates uh, how you can't have lights on the tree. And I like lights on my Christmas tree. You also can't put a lot of ornaments on them without damaging the branches, the tinsel branches. Not for me. Um, But I know a lot of people like them and I picked this book up because I was interested in sort of the history of them. I hope I find something else that has more history. But if you're into sort of artsy photography and you want to see something like that to do with Christmas, this is probably a fun book to look at. There are some really interesting photos. They mention in the first chapter that during this time they were doing this exhibit, they also did a lot of work photographing commercial um, aluminum product. And so I guess it's not a surprise that some of these photographs uh, sort of pair the tree with other aluminum products, and some of them don't. There's one that has the tree next to a fireplace that has obviously electric logs, very fake. So I guess that kind of goes with the tree. But it also has some lucite high heels and a foot massager. Hmm, I'm not sure what that means. There's another interesting one that is sort of half of a tree put together. It looks like a sort of a ghost of Julie Lindemann putting branches into the tree. I found that kind of interesting. Probably a time-lapse photograph of her putting the branches in. And if you look in the back for the attribution, it does say that the tree has 94 branches. So it sounds like these were (laughs) quite a lot of work to put together. I mean, 94 branches, that's got to take a while. There is one other one I found really odd. I don't understand it. It is a smaller aluminum Christmas tree. It's got some big green bobble ornaments on it. But in the foreground, 
That's kind of in the background, the tree. In the foreground, there is a powder blue vaporizer. And there is next to that a Christmas card and two get well cards. And behind the get well cards, it looks like part of a chair and a quilted robe over it. So if you look in the back, it's titled Christmas in the Hospital. And it describes a four foot 58 branch evergreen stainless aluminum Christmas tree with glass ornaments, electric vaporizer, barbizon, poufette, rayon, bed jacket, and greeting cards. Hmm. <laughs> so that was interesting. And I guess that's about it for this book. So that concludes our first episode of Christmas Book Review. And I hope you'll join me in the next episode where I'll be looking at a couple of short story collections. See you then.